Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris to Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. In 1993, Indie Darling's Pavement had an unexpected top 10 modern rock hit with Cut Your Hair. During their brief time in the spotlight, they had a beef with Billy Corgan, got kicked off a music festival, and experienced inter-band feuding that led to their breakup before the end of the 90s. Regardless of any turmoil, they made a fan out of Steve Sabosley, who joins us to discuss why he loves Pavement and their most well-known song. All right, Steve, I think this is pretty questionable that you're calling this song a hit. Hey, what are you going to do? I asked <laughs> if I could do this song and I looked to you and uh, producer Matt to see if I could do the song and you guys greenlit it. Yeah, what I'm going to blame Matt. I'm going to blame Matt for allowing you to talk about Pavement. I know <laughs> I know that you're psyched to talk about Pavement. I feel like this has been, I wouldn't call it a point of contention between us necessarily, but maybe, you know, whereas you and I agree on a lot of music, I think Pavement, mm-hmm. just from even back in the day, from high school days, I don't think we saw eye to eye on Pavement. So, But you're a big fan. You're like influenced by pavement i would say that i am so talk about why you like pavement i didn't get into to punk rock initially but was more into the grunge and alternative music of of the time and i mean it's basically that i was friends with 
PJ and, and Matt and they listened to pavement and I got really into them. I don't think I would have gotten into them so much later on because they are kind of a lazy sloppy style, but man, I just, I just love it. I love it so much. That is my issue with them. Right. The fact that they sound so lazy and sometimes is there a lot of wrong notes in the songs plenty, and things? Plenty. Is that intentional done by musicians knowing that they're doing that? Or are they just not that good? And is that a reflection of that? Uh, I think it's a little bit of a little bit of both. I think a lot of times I I was reading about the making of Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, the album that Cut Your Hair is on. And they were definitely trying to just capture the spirit of certain takes and not being super precious with it. But the way that it was, the album was mixed. The guy who mixed the album was instrumental in sorting through all of the crazy rough takes and kind of piecing the album together. Okay. Well, I wouldn't have even known that this was their hit that you're calling you're calling it their hit it's their biggest song i guess because it was on beavis and butthead or something this like this was a top 10 hit on the modern rock charts okay it hit number 10 all right okay i stand corrected i would have thought maybe stereo too. right the, the song stereo which is my favorite pavement song right i will say is not that big a fan of pavement i don't hate them but i'm really like and what's funny is i like all the periphery bands of that time you know anybody else that was on 120 minutes and was in that world i like and i don't know what it is about pavement that doesn't cut it for me but cut your hair in stereo i'll give them credit for those songs they're great what it sounds like is that when crooked rain came out that pavement was still in the window of the nirvana grunge hype and they really got a big push on that album and it really caught on. But I think by the time that Brighten the Corners, which had stereo on it two albums later, I think they were back to being more of like a big indie band. But Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, they like got some mainstream attention for it. Right. You know, I don't know if this is the end all be all of what's good and what's not, but Rolling Stone did name this one of their 500 greatest albums of all time. So there, I think there's another list that's the 500 songs of all time and Pavement has three songs on it. And, and the guys from Pavement said that two <laughs> of them have to be the worst selling, most unsuccessful songs on, on the list. Yeah. But no doubt they're indie darlings. They're apparently critic darlings as well. And my lukewarm opinion of them doesn't really matter. We could talk about this song though a little bit. Let's. Is this one of your favorite pavement songs or, or is it like, oh, that's the hit. I don't care about that song as much. I think this was probably the song that pulled pulled me in for sure. It's got the catchy oohs and my first band played it okay that helps yeah so we we played it there were parts that we didn't know how to play so we skipped we skipped those parts like i don't think we did like the bridge and the guitar solo we just kind of did our own version of it it's definitely got cool fun lyrics to sing along to with your friends if you're having a good time and the song comes on it's fun to sing along definitely unique lyrics i'll give them credit for that it has more of a lyric concept than a lot of pavement songs a lot of pavement songs are gibberish yeah scrambled eggs 
as they say. Yeah, I guess this song is pretty literal. Darling, don't you go and cut your hair. Do you think it's going to make him change? I'm just the boy with the new haircut, and that's a pretty nice haircut. This song seems very 90s to me because hair, that 90s hair, whether it's shoulder length or whatever it is, I I feel like I almost remember that transition from what everybody having that shoulder length alternative hair and getting their haircuts. I think of our friend PJ is one of those people. Right. He's had every hairstyle, but you know, I, I think about this is our era, our high school era, and there you did see that change, right? You know? So that that's kind of cool about this song. Everybody, if you're listening, we're talking about PJ a lot. Go check out PJ. Yeah. <laughs> Do you also think, similar to a different Steve pick with Super Drag, that the lyrics are also metaphorical for like how they perceive being a band? in the music industry because the second verse is all about like the drummer and the music scene and stuff like that that's funny they're pretty similar topics yeah Yeah. so it's commentary on and it's funny too because there's another there they feel like there's a lot of commentary on the music industry songs right in the 90s because you had that whole i mean i guess this i think of it as when it comes to like punk rock and of course ska in the 90s or whatever but i guess it also is it this part of this indie rock and alternative scene was the things about selling out, you know, like people were so concerned about that. Doesn't really seem to be a concern to anyone anymore. I feel like it is like a little bit now, but there was a time where it definitely went out the window in the mid two thousands. And like, no one cared about selling, like selling out was cool. Like I want an iPhone. I want to sell out. I want to be on a commercial. Right. And I still don't like selling out, but to me, selling out means, changing your style to whatever's popular at that moment. Right. Not getting paid. I mean, if you're great and you get paid and you're still, you're making true music that's authentic to you, then right. who am I to say anything about that? You know, especially if people love it. Remember that that Lars Ulrich Metallica quote about yeah. selling out? Yeah. <laughs> you know, selling out? Yeah, we sell out every night. <laughs> every seat in the house, house every, every night. <laughs> and it, it, those of you listening didn't see, but you also have to do a little... Pushing the bottom of your fist into your other hand. Every seat in the house, every night. Is that kind of like the uh, the quote that you bring up a lot that Robin from the Gym Blossoms gave you about the only difference between you guys and Punch, <laughs> you guys and him? Yeah, I, that's that's one of the all-time best things anyone ever said to me. I'm sure people have already heard me say it, but you know, Steve and I play in Punchline, and we did one of the last tours we did was with the Gym Blossoms, and at the end of it. Really thanking him for taking us out. It was an awesome tour. He's so sweet. Yeah, such a nice guy. And he said to me, hey, man, the only difference between your band and my my band is that we've sold millions and millions of albums. I'm like, that's awesome. And then then he turned around, walked on the bus, and we left. And that was the end of it. But yeah, when it comes to pavement, this this is a good jam. I'll give it up for this jam. I don't know whether to consider it a hit, but that's neither here nor there. I do want to talk about something with pavement that I think is an interesting as we get deeper into it. I know that you love this song range life, which I can take or leave that song. You've probably heard it a thousand times. I've heard it a lot in the van and stuff over the years. You and you and some other friends seem to really love it. I'm like this once again, this sounds like the laziest, sloppiest music. And I just, you know, not that I want something to be SR 71 either. Obviously I don't want something that sounds like it's made by computers, you know, but I like that in between, you know, that the realness and also, but also I like precision performance, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. Who do you like, Yo-Yo Ma? I love Yo-Yo Ma. 
<laughs> I just did a Yo-Yo Ma on Marin recently. He was great. He was cool. He was interesting. Anyway, this song Range Life, it became a little bit of a controversy. I don't know if you know about this controversy behind that song. Oh, I, I, I do, but I, I think you know more. So he made comments about, well, both Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots. He like says something or other about them. But I, I'll, I'll read you the lyrics. I think they're like this. They're later in the song. Right. It's like the last verse or something. It's, so the context is this is the early 90s. Pavement was in the Lollapalooza alternative scene. Smashing Pumpkins had blown up the year before and Stone Temple Pilots also in the same time frame. Okay, so in the song it says, Out on tour with Smashing Pumpkins. Nature kids. They don't have no function. I don't understand what they mean. And I could really give a fuck. Stone Temple Pilots, they're elegant (laughs) bachelors. They're foxy to me. Are they foxy to you? I will agree they deserve absolutely nothing. Nothing more than me. I mean, it's pretty funny to just call out these bands. But if I were Smashing Pumpkins, I'd be like, nature kids? (laughs) We don't have a function. I don't understand what they mean. And I could really give a fuck. So it's, it's not that bad. What, what do you interpret this as meaning? Well, at the time when they made the album, they were kind of nothing. They had some buzz about them, but they were certainly not in the league of Smashing Pumpkins. But then they got so much hype from this album that you know, by the time it reached the bands that were mentioned, Pavement was a big band, so it kind of was probably a little more offensive. And then mm. they're in the same in the same touring scene and whatnot. But I believe Steve Malcolmus, the singer who wrote the lyrics, said that he did it pretty quickly and just thought it was like kind of funny and kind of cheeky and like kind of cocky, but what, but not in like a serious way. I had also read that he said that the song's supposed to be from like a character perspective so like i think of those lyrics from the same way as like the dead milkman stewart or like money for nothing where it's supposed to be from like the perspective of some like aged rocker just bitching about mm-hmm. the current modern music scene and when you like read those lyrics it's like yeah i could see like a 55 year old guy being like i don't know stone Temple pilots they seem like elegant bachelors <laughs> like, yeah i mean stone Temple pilots did not get mad about it i've never heard anything about that billy corgan on the other hand got so mad that he got pavement kicked off of Lollapalooza. Damn. Held that grudge for like up until 2018. And then Smashing Pumpkins took pavement on tour. Wow. And I read the weirdest Brooklyn Vegan article where it was an interview with both Billy Corgan and Steve Malcolmus in like, it was like before that tour happened where Billy Corgan was very it seemed like he was super passive aggressive. He's like, yeah, we're taking them out. And, you know, he, he was like kind of like hyping himself up. Like, you know, we're trying to move past things and whatever. But he insisted that pavement has to play range life, that they put that in the contract. And that if he wanted to, Billy Corgan would get to write a verse and come out and, and play it. I don't, I tried to find if that actually happened, but also like within the, was artic- it the 2018 tour? Did you say the, the article was from 2018? I think maybe the tour was the next year. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas host of peer pleasure on the sound talent media podcast network. Join me each week as I explore another long form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. 
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Within the article, it was like, at some point, Billy Corgan, like, <laughs> ruffled Steve Malcolmus's hair. And Steve Malcolmus seemed very Steve Malcolmus in this interview. Like, very, uh, I mean, I, I was reading it, but it seemed very, like, uh, monotone, like, b- point blank answers. I, it seemed weird to me. But apparently, they've, they've buried the hatchet since then. That's funny, because I think otherwise, that would have been a, probably a pretty inconsequential song maybe a fan favorite but not get gotten the light that it that it has right i i did know about that and i don't know man smashing pumpkins versus uh pavement who you got Uh, i think i'm gonna go with pavement i mean it's real like when they were making this album so the story was that they had had some success and they were like a little grungier and their old stuff was really a lot fuzzier post-punk sounding because their drummer at the time was a little bit older so they're all in there early to mid twenties. And then this other, this, their drummer was in his early forties, but he recorded them and like taught them a lot about how to be a band, but he kind of fell apart, had a drinking problem. He wanted to cash in at the point that they were just starting to get some buzz. And, you know, they, they, they say in interviews that they were in a different place than this guy at the time. Just, you know, he wanted to have money to pay for health insurance. And they're like, we're in our early twenties. Like, why would you ever pay for health insurance? (laughs) Like, why is that important to you? So this guy quit and they, they were kind of scared because he had, you know, was their drummer and also the producer and, you know, pretty instrumental in the band, but they decided to move forward and they found some, some studio in New York of a guy that they knew who would let them come and record in the in the studio for really cheap and so they virtually is like two or three of the guys in pavement engineered the album themselves to tape and then like i was saying the producer came in and put it together but the studio was around madison square garden where we like sounds like within a block of where we recorded 37 everywhere which which i think is kind of cool just i just imagine that two guys who they said that they were like so carefree making these songs because they weren't famous yet. There wasn't much that they had to live up to. And they went and they spent some time writing before they went into the studio. And it was the kind of thing where like they're together for a weekend and Malcolmus comes in and was like, hey, do you guys like this song? And they're like, that's amazing. And then comes back half an hour. Like, how about this one? They're like, yep. And that's just hearing that stuff sounds so cool. Like he just sounds like a very prolific song songwriter and just has, you know, big ideas, man. But imagine those guys making that album and talking some shit on Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots at a time where if Smashing Pumpkins heard them then they would be like, I don't why do I care what this like little band who's right cares? But I think that's so cool. That makes sense, but he says the lyric is out on tour with Smashing Pumpkins though. Do you think he was just pretending they were out oh, on tour? Oh, I them? mean, I guess okay, that's that's right. We should probably <laughs> we should prob- probably look that up. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about that. But what I do like about what you're saying is the idea it makes me want to do it. I mean, I guess it's a matter of having a place and having the stuff set up, but, but to be like to go into a place with your band and be like, 
we're gonna we're gonna write and record our album right now. Don't bring anything. Don't bring anything you had before or whatever. Right. Start from scratch, like off the top of your head, and see what comes out. That'd be pretty fun, I think. That's that's on the to do list at some point. Nice. Whatever that album is, if it sucks, you don't got to put it out. You can just keep it for yourselves, <laughs> right? I mean, but uh, that'd be that'd be a fun challenge for a band that's been around for a while. Anyway, I would go with Smashing Pumpkins, and I'm not even like some huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, but dude. 1979. It's so good. It's so good. Today is so good. Oh, tonight, tonight, so good. Like these songs, like they're pretty epic. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer the epic compositions over Pavement's lazy ass wrong notes. <laughs> <laughs> what about Cursive's wrong notes? I know you like Cursive. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish Cursive had a hit so we could talk about it. That band's incredible. That, we I mean, could probably make a hit out of them if we're doing yeah, you think? <laughs> what songs, <laughs> what songs a hit for them? Uh, played on Letterman. Is that a hit? <laughs> uh, they did play that song on Letterman. Yeah. I, man, I love that band. So this song, okay. As Matt said, it peaked at number 10 on the alternative charts, May 7th, 1994. So yeah, that's, I guess that's a hit. Right. I guess, I guess that's a hit at the time on those charts. The number one song, funny enough, was The More You Ignore Me, The Closer I Get by Morrissey, which, speaking of Beavis and Butthead again, I knew that song because of Beavis and Butthead, hated it. I was like, this is the worst, whiniest, stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. As I got older, I came back around to it. I'm like, oh, I get it. It's like this sort of gothy British emotional music and kind of like liked some Smith songs and like, okay, I get it. And then turns out Morrissey's kind of a racist asshole. So, so that really sucks. You know, I was like, okay, well, any little bit I liked of Morrissey, I, I don't really like him anymore. Also at that time on the charts were, here you go, Steve, one of your favorites, selling the drama by live. Nice. <laughs> nice. Steve's a big fan of. This is 94. The, the juice. This is 1994. Yeah. We all we're all about nineteen. What a year! What a year! Lucchini's juice. That was probably the, the year <laughs> of Lucchini's juice, and also Longview by Green Day was nice. on the charts at this time. So then, in nineteen ninety nine, Pavement kind of called it quits for a while. Internal conflict within the band caused that, and they popped up throughout the twenty. What do you call the twenty ten to twenty? Some people call it the aughts. No, that's what you call 2000 to 2010. Oh, yeah, what do you, what call, do you call that? The teen? I mean, it's not all teens, though. And which teens do you mean? Yeah, we're probably talking about the more recent teens. I've always wanted to throw uh, an 80s dance party, but then you show up as an 1880s dance party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 2010s or whatever. My point being, Pavement got together a few times throughout the 2010s and played some festivals. Legacy of the song, Cut Your Hair. It's been featured in every stupid movie. I don't know why. Like you would think that this indie band with all this cred would be in some like serious. The soundtracks it's on are, are, are pretty funny. Jackass 2, a very Brady sequel, You, Me, and Dupree, <laughs> and Beavis and Butthead. Nice. <laughs> but I guess it's, and, and I guarantee you every time it's just. I got to give it, I got to give it up for that. I, I do like that. Uh, so I did some Googling. So there's, there's a few different phrases for 2010 to oh, 2020 okay. <laughs> there's the 2010s like you said sometimes it's just called the tens and eh. sometimes it's called the teens or the teensies <laughs> the teensies i think I'll, the teensies I'll is go, the one i'm going with i'll go with the teensies. yeah that feels natural <laughs> yeah back in the teensies which 
Yeah, it's crazy to say that now. I mean, we're recording this episode in the year 2021, future person who's listening to this in 2040 or something. But we're, yeah, we're out of that decade. We're on to the next one. We're in the 20s now. Right. That's the first time I'm uh, recognizing that out loud, that the teens are over. The teensies. The teensies are gone. <laughs> the teensies had a, a rough finish. So yeah, I think that's why. Yeah. Or, or the 20s had a rough start. However right. you want to <laughs> look at it. Yeah, the end of, end of the teensies is kind of the golden age. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the last the last four years of the teensies sucked. But the first, the first yeah, the, the beginning of the teens. Dude, the early teensies. Dude, in the early teensies, Thursday night on TV was Community, <laughs> The Office, Parks and Rec, 30 Rock. Like, wow. The early teensies rocked. Let's go back to the lyrics. Okay. So, darling, don't you go and cut your hair. Do you think it's going to make him change? I'm just a boy with a new haircut, and that's a pretty nice haircut. Charge it like a puzzle. Hit me wearing muzzles. Hesitate to die. Look around, around. The second drummer's drowned. His telephone is found. Hmm. What does this mean? I think it's probably a fair amount of gibberish. Yeah. Pavement's the kind of band where you go back and listen to their demos or live recordings. There's frequently words, words changed. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's something to be said about, I don't know if you, you want to call it the cadence or the way the words spill out of your mouth that right. sound cool, that if you're changing them to make sense. Yeah. If you change, charge it like a puzzle, hit me wearing muzzles. What are you going to find to replace that? Right. And it gonna- is, it is cool to take note of how these crazy lyrics like i still love the song and don't it doesn't ruin the song concept or something no i mean they're fun to sing along to uh music scene is crazy bands start up each and every day i saw another one just the other day a special new band i remember lying i don't remember lies i don't remember what but i don't care that's some lazy ass lyrics (laughs) oh my god i care i really don't care did you see the drummer's hair (laughs) Advertising looks and chops a must. No big hair. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) Songs mean a lot when songs are bought, and so are you. Bitch, rant down to the practice room. Attention and fame, so career, career, career. Which is funny because up until... Probably right now reading this. You thought I said Korea? Yeah. (laughs) Always thought it was a shout out to Korea, but apparently it's career, career, career. Which, okay, I read these. I kind of get it. And I do get the appeal of sloppy off the top of your head, avant-garde lyrics, because I know that they're fun to sing along to. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I, I get it. I don't know. You have it. You have any closing notes on on pavement before we? I'm trying to think if we covered the the big the big. The big picture things. Year came out, 1994. It was on the album Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. And the song reached the top 10, making it a bona fide one hit wonder. Yeah. Absolutely thunder. So you're, yeah, I know you're going with thunder. I I guess I, I like the song. I, I guess I'll go with thunder. I know that in the band has like maybe two other, th- two other songs I like. They're a long running, well, kind of. They're they're a beloved indie band, which I like. That I I like I like a lot of things about them. I just wish I liked the music more, mm-hmm. you know. But that's just taste. I'll take Pavement over some like overproduced pop punk band any day, right? <laughs> you know, like right. or some like you know, or or some nineties band, you know. Like I, I definitely think Pavement's cool. I think everything's about them cool. It, is cool and it seems like a lot of cool people like them. <laughs> I'm just maybe I'm just not cool enough for pavement or something. To each is peach. 
to each his pavement. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing A Friend Indeed off the most recent Punchline release, Lion. Go to punchlion.com for more info as well as merch and news of future shows. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can help your show sound as professional as possible. And let us know your thoughts on our show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.